here and it is my, my wonderful privilege to be able to, to welcome you here on this very special day, on this day where we, we celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we celebrate that not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he rose again and he is alive today. Uh, and so we will celebrate that together uh, as a church family. All ages will be in here today. Good morning. The reading is taken from John chapter 20, verses 19 uh, through to verse 31. So that's John chapter 20, verses 19 through to 31. Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After that, he, after, he said this. He showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Jesus did many miracles miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name amen Well, good morning. Let me add my welcome to you. My name is Duncan. I have the, the privilege of serving as pastor of the church here and uh, really delighted to be able to worship the Lord this Easter Sunday morning. Um, we think that it's impossible to overstate the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, the history of the world has had a great many turning points, hasn't it? You think of uh, Um, leaders who were raised up at a certain time, uh, wars that broke out or ceased, uh, new technologies that were developed, all of these kind of things have set new trajectories for the history of the world. And in fact, we all have these things in our own lives as well, don't we? Um, uh, Leaving school, getting married, getting divorced, having children, losing a loved one, These are the big turning points of life, aren't they? Life sets off in a new trajectory when these things come along. The biggest turning point 
of all is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. On Easter Sunday, it was a huge turning point for Mary, who went to the tomb, who was first to see Him. For those ten disciples who were in the upper room when Jesus appeared to them, huge turning point for them. Life was never the same again. But it's even bigger than that. The whole trajectory of the world and where it's heading was changed on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And we get a little taste of that in the experience of Thomas. This was a great turning point in his life when Jesus appeared to him. And what we learn from this encounter with Jesus and Thomas is that that turning point for him 2,000 years ago, give or take, can be and indeed must be the same for you and I today. The resurrection of Jesus, even though it is long in the past, needs to be the great turning point in our lives today. And there's a, there's a theme that recurs in those verses that Julia read for us. On three separate occasions, our eyes are directed to Jesus' hands and side. So, when Jesus appears to those ten disciples, it says there that He showed them His hands and His side. And then when Thomas finds out that he's missed out on meeting the resurrected Jesus, he says, unless I see his hands and side. And then eight days later, when Jesus appears to Thomas, Jesus says, come, look at my hands and side. So these verses in John chapter 20 are an invitation to you to come, behold his hands and side. This is what uh, changes for Thomas. He's been with Jesus for three years. It's what's brought these disciples together. They were picked by Jesus to be with Jesus. And we're not told why Thomas was missing on that first occasion, but it seems perhaps that, well, Jesus is now dead, so What's the point in us being together anymore? We can't be sure. Possibly that's why. But Jesus appeared that day. And the other disciples told Thomas about it. But it was those very wounds in Jesus' hands and side that were the stumbling block for Thomas. He just couldn't get them out of his head because they represented something for him. They represented the death of Jesus. He knew that Jesus' death had been gory, and it surely had been final. There were holes in His hands because they had fastened Him to a cross with nails. There was a gaping wound in His side because they had thrust a spear in there just to make sure that He was dead. These represented the death of Jesus and the end of Thomas's hopes. These were wounds of death and nothing more. And so Thomas says, unless I see the, in his, 
unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I will need to see these things with my own eyes and touch them with my own hands, or I'll never believe it. And I'm willing to wager that there are many people in this room today who feel exactly the same. Because, quite frankly, people do not come back from the dead, right? It doesn't happen. Now, there are very few people in the world today who would claim credibly that Jesus Christ never existed. And so, therefore, most people in the world today agree that Jesus definitely died. That's not a hard sell for me to make to you, is it? Someone who lived more than 2,000 years ago, that one day he died. But when those who saw him raised from the dead tell us about it, what do you make of it? The wounds, are they just too severe? Dead is dead? Well, this encounter that Thomas had with Jesus eight days later is actually for us. This is why this whole encounter took place for us. Because this great turning point for Thomas is where he sees that Christ's wounds are no longer just wounds of death, they are wounds of life. Wounds of life. I have to mention Jesus' patience here. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where um, you've agreed to meet up with someone and they've just stood you up. There you are, wondering how much longer will I give it feeling like an idiot sitting on your own. And in fact, I've maybe even done it to people in this room. I'm very sorry about that. But you do think, don't you? You start to think, well, if they couldn't be bothered to turn up, I'm not going to be very quick to arrange to meet them again. Jesus isn't like that. Thomas wasn't there. And I think the implication is that he should have been there, but he wasn't. But Jesus isn't like that. Jesus comes, takes the initiative to meet with Thomas. Eight days later, there he is. He appears in the room, and it seems specifically so he can have this conversation with Thomas. And you know, Jesus knows everything. Jesus quotes Thomas's words back to him. How embarrassing it must have been for him when Jesus said, look, here they are. Put your hands in the nail marks. Put your hand in my side. And yet, despite Jesus knowing all of that, he comes to reach Thomas. I don't think Thomas reached out his hand and put the fingers in the nail marks. I don't think he reached out his hand and, and put it into Jesus' side. I think he jumped straight to verse 28, where he exclaims, my Lord and my God. Because seeing Jesus raised from the dead changes everything. Those wounds which had been this source of disbelief about Jesus' resurrection were now the very thing that confirmed his belief in who Jesus is. They were the very thing that now dispelled all of his doubts. Because instead of being marks of defeat, those wounded hands, that ruptured side, were signs of Jesus' victory over death. Because Jesus was raised, 
it suddenly transformed everything for Thomas and what it meant for Jesus to have died. It was no failure. Jesus' death was no accident of history. This was the plan of God, that His Son would come and meet our greatest need. These disciples had hoped He would come and make Israel a strong nation again, free from Roman rule. They'd built all their hopes on it. But in fact, Jesus has come to make us right with God, laying down His perfect life as a substitute for others. Because you see, we all stand before God with a track record that we have every reason to be ashamed of. It's something that makes us utterly incompatible with who God is. He is pure and righteous and holy and perfect in justice, and we are none of those things, and we deserve only His justice. And yet on the cross, Jesus endures these wounds. He submits to death, a sinner's death, so that we do not have to face a sinner's death. Those are grand claims for someone crucified by the Romans so long ago. How can we be so confident? Well, because Jesus has been raised from the dead. That is how. If He's not raised, then they really are just wounds of death. We don't need to worry about them at all. But if He has been raised, His hands and His side represent wounds of life, your life. How does that become meaningful to us? Well, this is perhaps why Thomas is allowed to go through this week of doubt that he had, because we need to understand something. We are not to expect that the solution to our doubts is that Jesus will physically appear in this room and show us His hands and side. Now, Jesus tells us here, verse 29, that the pattern of things will be different. He says to, to Thomas, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who've not seen and yet have believed. It will be as the message about Jesus is handed down from generation to generation, from those first disciples down through the ages, as Jesus is proclaimed that people will see Him. They will behold His hands and side as He is proclaimed. And John, who wrote this book of the Bible, understands that. Did you notice those last two verses that Julia read for us? John says this, he says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This has all been recorded for us so that we might behold the hands and side of the risen Lord Jesus. Now, what do you see? Just wounds of death or wounds of life? They become wounds of life by believing, by trusting that Jesus is for you in His life, in His death, and in His resurrection. Let me urge you today not to rush away from beholding Jesus. 
me encourage you to read one of the Gospels. That's what they've been written for. Read for yourself. If you don't have a Bible, we'll gladly give you one. If you don't have someone to read it with, we'll gladly give you one of those as well. Or Mark mentioned earlier, Hope Explored, starting Monday 17th, three Monday nights, to to learn more about why this message about the risen Jesus is a message of hope that we need. Come along to that. Speak to me, speak to Mark. We'll give you all of the details. As we do those things, we will see for ourselves who Jesus is. And I pray, like Thomas, we'll find that we have no option but to worship Jesus as my Lord and my God. Let me urge you to do the same and find those wounds are life-giving for all who believe in Him. Thank you.